Hola, mi amigos. Welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falconi, Add to Houston Presidente, joined today by my co-host. Hey, y'all. I'm Rose Garza, co-EDI chair, also the past president of Add to Houston. And as always, our producer, Jacob Danton. Hello. Today on the show, we are joined by our host, Tina Singh. Tina is former Add to Dallas president, the Add to National chair, and Shark Tank's biggest fan. Hi, everyone. Tina, hi. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. Hey, Tina. Thanks for being on the Admigos podcast with us today. It's great having you in the studio. I know AF Dallas named you one of the shining stars Women to Watch in 2018. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got involved with ATU and AAF? Sure, yeah. It's definitely been a while since I won the Shining Stars Award. But um, so how I found ATU and AAF and got into this crazy journey that I'm on right now is that I actually stumbled onto um, a happy hour that was hosted by Ad2, of course. And I was like, I need to find something that's outside of just my coworkers. Um, you know, whenever you want to talk about your work life, but you can't really talk about it when mm-hmm. where your company is. So um, I ventured onto this happy hour. The funny thing is, is that I didn't know anybody at the happy hour. So I was like, I'm going to go to the happy hour. And if it all fails, nobody will know who I am. Like, you know, just a blip in the radar. Or if I actually find friends um you know that's kind of why we always go to happy hours and stuff like <laughs> that is to find I friends. still haven't found any friends <laughs> not a and, single one and um so for me i i got involved i like signed up i met somebody there that i knew from another uh, company and she was like hey do you want to do education chair because i'm aging oh. out they asked you the same day yeah, they, they well, I kind of like knew her. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I kind of knew her and I really liked education because I really wanted to help like college students. I was just like second year into my career and I was like, okay, I can definitely give back and help college students find their way into advertising. So I was like, sure, I'll I'll think about it. Join the board. Sounded fun, right? I was yeah, like, yeah, that's kind of like that's how they rope you in. And um so I did that. <laughs> and I did that and I joined the board. I got really into, um, you know, like talking to college professors. Mentorship was a huge thing for me. Um, So then that's why I started education chair. They were like, oh, this girl knows what she's doing. The next year I became president of Dallas and so forth and so on. I was like, okay, after I was done with Dallas, I still wanted to make sure to make an impact um, in the advertising community. So I decided to raise my hand and become part of the exec team on the national level, um, continue to pull that forward. And for the past four years, this is my fourth year on the exec team um, as chair, I've been super involved like on the local level, the district and the national level. And then one, one great thing is that I moved back to Houston Woo! after, you know. Glad to have you. I know, finally <laughs> found my way back to my hometown. Um, we won't talk about where you were before. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to, you know, I found some friends here also because of the network that I've built, um, knowing people from all over the country. And I am so glad that I stumbled upon that random happy hour, not knowing anyone. And it's so funny because I look back now and I'm like, oh, I thought this was not going to open up anything. And it opened up 
everything in my career. I'm so happy that you mentioned how you joined the, uh, <laughs> well, I too in general, because that's what happened to me too. Someone tricked me. Um, but more so the uh, uh, the exec board, right? You you joined the exec board in 2018 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I went to America after being involved with R2 for like five months, roughly. Oh, yeah? Yeah, everything moved real fast after that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember meeting you. I thought you were great. And then they told me that you had moved to a different city from Houston, a city that I won't name, but rhymes with Schmalis. Uh, and well, first of all, I was like, oh, who's crazy? That She must be crazy to move over there. But I'm so glad that you ended up making it back. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been close for, for a while now. And, uh, thank you so much for, uh, helping you. Are you club acknowledging quite a bit. her as a friend now? I am acknowledging her as a <laughs> contact. I have no friends. Is the Air Force scary to you? <laughs> friend. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I have no friends. Listeners, don't believe in this is Yeah. Uh, I, I still also remember life. that at America as well, whenever I was thinking about doing it. And you know, honestly, one of the reasons why I did it is because I wanted to see more like minorities up in in just leadership roles. Um, being able to be an example and a role model for potentially someone else in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, has been one of my goals of just having that visibility, I feel yeah. like is very important in representation. Yeah, and uh, that really um, reflects on the work that you've done. Now that you mentioned minorities, and I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure the board was, there were like three women in the board and Chris at the time, mm-hmm. and they were all white. You were like the first minority to join that board. You uh, are right. Right? Yeah, yeah. and then Peter joined, yeah. and now Ariana. Yeah. Uh, who is our second vice chair. So that's mm-hmm. very, you know, shout out to Peter and Ariana yeah. way in Tampa. So let me, uh, let's get a little more into your story. I know that you are a first generation college student. Mm-hmm. Uh, I myself, I'm too. Um, and there's a lot of hardships because if your parents didn't go to college here or at all to college, um, there's a lot of things that you just never learn from them. They don't know how to help you mm-hmm. and you're kind of on your own. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the issues or obstacles that first-generation students kind of find and how to overcome it, what you did, uh, and, you know, how you find your way through it? Because it's a very complicated... uh, No, that's a really good question because for for so long, I've... And I'm also the oldest in my family. So a lot is on the oldest, right? Like you're you're paving that path for your siblings. And I have one younger brother, but... um, So as a first-generational, like, college student slash graduate as well, you don't really have those contacts that potentially some others, maybe your friends have their dad and mom in the advertising business. And it's nice to have that leg up in terms of like, you know, internships, you kind of get your name out there. They know how to navigate it. But when you're first generation, you need to figure it out pretty much on what to do. Like, how do I resumes? SATs, ACTs, all of financial aid, that was all like, I didn't know how to navigate any of that. But I I leaned on a lot of counselors. I asked a lot of questions. I knew that I had to carve away even for my younger brother to know what to do because now he's like, he looks up to me in ways where like, oh, Tina hasn't had before. Then like, he can do it too. But it, it involved a lot of asking questions, leaning on just either teachers, mentors are super important because, you know, 
you might not have your mom and dad to like I I know I struggled in ways where um I'm still their translator. That's also another like barrier in a way and like so they don't know that much English. So I was the first person to actually know the English. So I I would be like filling out uh, applications and stuff like that on the side but also trying to carve out how to figure out like my life, applying to colleges, finding my way in advertising. That's also another, you know, thing that you had to navigate through once you got into college. Um, but, you know, I think that an, just being able to see like all the support that your family has given you makes you stronger in ways where you're like, okay, I'm going to do my best, ask the right questions, talk to the right people. And you know what? People are willing to help. If you just ask them, people are willing to help. I I feel like there's innate in innate nature that people do want to help. You just you just have to ask. Sometimes part of it is asking for help. That's very true. Yeah, it's not easy. I don't know how I got through it. I actually had a I had a lot of help from a girlfriend. So that that really yeah, no, yeah. Someone else basically picked all the classes for me. Alrighty. So you mentioned you had to translate for your parents and normally children of immigrant parents usually have like this unstoppable, unwavering, determined mindset that, you know, typically learned from their parents who had all those, you know, who had to be all those things and a lot more, you know, on the journey to America. I'd love to hear a bit more about your parents' immigration story and how their journey shaped who the strong worth ethic you have today. Yeah, so my parents, they immigrated here 82, so it's been a while. Um and then after like after a decade or so they had me. So they were straight up like, you know, they moved here, didn't know any English, they somehow survived um to find like entry level jobs. Um they my parents started a restaurant when I was young. Um so very like entrepreneurial kind of thing. Um it didn't last, uh, you know, because on, in in entrepreneurship and things like that. So that lasted about a year. And that was probably, you know, in any sort of entrepreneurial journey, there is failure along the oh, way. Yeah. That's just that's just part of hand the in game. hand. Yeah. So that didn't that didn't wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. But just in that year and a half that they had a restaurant, I've seen them like they had to do everything because it was their restaurant. They might they might have hired like a busboy. And this was me in first grade, by the way. So this is like I I still remember the story to this day is because like they would what drop me off at school, go to the restaurant, open at nine or ten or whatever. And then like my dad, like maybe on his lunch break, would have to go pick me up from school, bring me back to the restaurant. And then I would do my homework there. And then like once the restaurant closes, we would go home, eat like um, eat dinner real quick and then. The same thing every single day for like a whole year or so. When you're running a business, you do everything. Like there's there's no like when you're starting up, there's no employees to be like, oh, you go do that or whatever. So they handled a lot. And it was in a way, I feel like even though it didn't last, they learned a lot that year um, to know like how to manage either themselves in terms of mental, like physical, like health, everything. I feel like being an, an entrepreneur really does that for you and that is where my sort of work ethic really has shaped me to do the best I possibly can in any given situation um might might be successful might fail but 
the thing is to have that courage to go for it and do it. Um, that determination and that fire is really is really what I see in my parents. And like they've shown that for me. And now it's interesting because even like my dad, he he did that as a cook for a year. He now has his own little business. And it's so funny. You would never guess what he does. He fixes watches. And yes. like that is oh, so interesting. rare. That's good to know. Right, right. But like, you know, that's so like he he found a way because that was his skill. And and he was like, okay, I'm going to use because my grandfather taught him how to do that in China. Oh, cool. It was just super random. They also like when I was young, they really wanted me to like learn a skill, mm-hmm. like just yeah, something in case in case like aver- I guess advertising falls through. <laughs> There's something Come that on, you could be up, like, yeah. yeah, like a backup. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? They like they made me take violin lessons. Do you still play? R- like That's on funny. occasion. What, are, what? What? I would very much like to hear you play violin. I don't know oh. why you're looking at me like that. <laughs> I was like, what I don't know where you think I was gonna go with it. I don't know where you were gonna go with it. <laughs> I don't but, know um, why. You, I, I am being. You this is, so, this is libel. I will. I will, have I, to, I will not stand for it. I will have to do that. I will have yeah, to show it to oh, you guys. But oh, I do. Oh, I, do play. <laughs> I do play. I do play. And not like. I was in orchestra in high school. I did that in college. Oh, for so a little you played, bit. played. Oh, wow. I yeah. played. Like it wasn't. Yeah, I played, but it wasn't like you know. I'm like. I'm going to go to the high school of performing arts to okay, actual okay. legit play, but I was just part of the orchestra at my high school. Um, but yeah, they wanted me to do that. They wanted me to pick up a skill in case everything falls through. You have that musical. Like you could play at the subways of New York. I don't, is that what, yeah. that's what you're I think that's what they were. As like an immigrant, my yeah. parents are like, got to make sure my kids are set up. That that's, that's a very interesting story because it's like, like, hey, in case this thing that runs the world doesn't work out, why don't you go learn how to play violin? Like, I don't, I feel like they went the wrong way. It, it should have been like, I know you really like the violin, but why don't you study advertising, maybe? <laughs> I don't uh, know. But, this is know. a great story. That's a great story. Oh, I can't believe I don't know. Oh. It's a fun fact. I'm going to have you come uh, perform at one of our events. Uh, I think that would be great. <laughs> you know, be the inter- can we I'll do that? Yeah, like a live, mis- like, live music thing? That would be perfect. <laughs> Get to know <laughs> Tina, the attitude channel. Yeah. Label. Yes, it's play the violin. Doesn't talk to anybody. All just... Okay. That's a great story, and you know, as a, a child of immigrants too, I'm an immigrant myself, so mm-hmm. I know how difficult it is sometimes to navigate the two worlds that you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in yeah, I was gonna say also, um, like the cultural shift too from <laughs> like know. Western civilization, civilization, and also Eastern, my Eastern oh, culture as well. So it's very like I have to manage both sides. Yeah, well, at least my parents stay in the same time zone. Uh, so it was a little easier. It, it, you know, there's a culture shift that happens every time you go out of your house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you use that uh, in advertising every day, too. So I have to ask you. Yes, I mean, you kind of already touched on this, but in a couple of words, right? In a few words, what compelled you to become the national chair? Because I was voluntold into becoming the president. <laughs> So I would very much like to know what goes to someone's deranged mind that they're like, yeah, I want to take care of this. What, what is she, what is it? The it's, mind has it's to be deranged. Crazy! I imagine the level of like this is hard enough. <laughs> commitment. I think that's what you're kind of shooting yeah, for here. Yeah, I, I think that's a better word. The level of commitment sure. it takes to be national chair, and why do I want to do it in ways where you're kind of all the way to the top? You're kind of overseeing everything. It's really the the future of our industry. Um, I want to make yes. sure it's in good hands. Um, and if I can be part of it and if I can volunteer 
my time and effort and energy to pull forward and and just see that everybody has potential in themselves and bring that to the forefront is part of it is like fulfillment that I wouldn't find in a job. I feel like, you know, sure. Great. Your job pays your bills. You know, you got to make some money on the side. I'm not saying, you know, you got to survive in this world, but I also feel like add to really fills the fulfillment piece of, for me in terms of giving back to the community. Um, I am, you know, I, I look at it as a long-term opportunity, not just like in terms of like, Oh, what I can get through this year. I mean, I've, what I this is what my sixth year into add to to be on honest like education chair president then secretary second vice chair vice chair and then now chair oh, and then you got immediate past past immediate past chair, chair yeah. potentially also like seven years and then also graduate into AF because it's gonna happen it's you a, know it's uh, yeah you I don't know about it but I'm probably gonna do it too. right yeah. like it, it's just it happens because. Like, but the thing is, like, seeing so many, like, motivated leaders and individuals really gives me that passion and that fire to push this thing forward. Because it really, like, when you have really strong, passionate, young professionals doing some cool stuff, that excites me. That gets me excited because I'm like, our future, we're not keeping to the status quo. Just after seeing, like, two years of this crazy era that we're living in and this COVID thing. Like we've definitely like things have shifted. We've adapted. That's what really energizes me to continue to push this momentum forward for this organization. You mentioned that you became president for basically the future of our industry. And one of the big key to that is networking. So for many people, they thought of, you know, attending event for the first time or Attending a networking event at the time for the first time could be quite terrifying, awkward, and you know, you could be quite lonely at this at the same time, especially if you don't know anybody. But we know networking provides us opportunities that we might not be able to get or be able to find on our own without it. So can you tell us why do you believe growing your network is essential in our industry? And do you have any advice for college students or young professionals who may not be as comfortable meeting new people? Okay. So I told you guys how I went to that happy hour, right? Oh, yeah. As like right. a random, like a rando pretty much. And like, who shows up at happy hour? Is uh, clearly me. <laughs> I do that stuff. The part that you guys didn't know, and I haven't really told many people, is that I did get laid off from my first oh. agency job. Oh, okay. And that's when I was like, well, you gotta know more folks outside of just where you work. Because, you know, like... Your work family can only do so much. You got to broaden your scope. And that's where networking is super important, where you're also able to see what other people are doing on the other side. Um, When you work at an agency, it's all about team collaboration. Part of the way that I also lead my team is through empathy. And if you don't understand what the other person is experiencing, how can you lead the team well? So I think like networking really helps you realize what cross-discipline opportunities there could be, right? You might be a media person, but you might have a creative knack for things. You can also learn through that, through your network of peers that you have. The importance of networking, I can't, because I've experienced it, of like getting laid off at an agency job, you realize that your network is pretty much 
your the fallback plan in case anything falls through in this industry because anything can happen anything can happen in advertising like maybe one day your agency is great but then like things happen and i think you really have to rely on your network and your network isn't just like your professional network these are your friends Guido, I know you don't say the <laughs> F word, but, you know, no, these are your friends I'm, that you can rely on. Um, and especially for the young professionals okay. life stage, I want to say there are so many transitions that happen within your first 10 years of graduating college. You might have second thoughts of why do I even join advertising? Like, do I want to explore other disciplines? Maybe, you know, I went to school for media, but maybe I could be an art director. And that's that's where you get to learn outside of just like your work, your work work. You get to also get exposed to other things in this industry. And maybe you find something that's better aligned to what you want to do. Um, And that's the piece of networking that I'm like, I want to make sure people understand the second piece of your question was any sort of advice, right? Yeah. For anybody that's um, terrified <laughs> of going to a happy hour by themselves, like not crazy me, just, just did that. Honestly, this kind of comes back to my first point. Like, you got to stretch yourself in, in ways where just, I feel like people are understanding. We've all been there. We've all been to either a happy hour that we feel kind of awkward. We don't really know anyone. We're actually there to meet people. So that's the reason why we're there. But you got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. What are, like, what's stopping you? Is it, I don't know, maybe it is the fear of, like, some people, I guess some people are, like, socially, they just don't want to do it. And maybe it is, like, calling up a friend and be like, hey, we could show up together. Oh. I've I've seen I've seen people do that yeah. more frequently. Did you do that? That's how I got Mark involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly yeah. that's, that's literally the same story. Yeah. yeah. You know, for Ad Two, especially that happy hour that I went to, I mean, people were very friendly. They definitely want to know more people. And I you know, the Houston crew is the same. We want to grow and get to know people. We've we're all in we've all been in those shoes where we like show up and we're like I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And look at me six years later <laughs> at the top of the organization because of one happy hour. Yeah. So they, I mean, that's the significance of networking is you get to continue to build your own community of folks. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny because I too had the same basically story. I lost my first job and I didn't have a, I didn't have a uh, network to rely on. Right. So mm-hmm. I went to add two, but I actually brought a friend with me uh, <laughs> And, you know, it was a four years later. I only regret it once in a while. Uh, <laughs> it's It's been great. It, it's been quite a journey. I don't think people really understand how much work goes into it, but just how rewarding it is. And I think that really shows in you and how yeah. much you want to help everybody. And I really appreciate that. You know, so. what's also funny is that, like, at my first job, I think because I was, like, right out of college, yeah. I was very timid. Like mm. I just I kept, see that. I, well, I know, but that's because I broke out from, from it now. Right. I was very timid. I kind of kept to myself because I was like there for the work kind of instilling my parents side of like uh, the immigrant story of like, put your head down, do the work, mm-hmm. don't ruffle yeah, any feathers. Right. Like that's kind of like the immigrant, at least Chinese immigrants are kind of like, that. I don't know, but, but uh, you know, so I, I really kept to that for my first year and I didn't really like meet people outside. But after that experience, I learned it's like you got to stretch yourself. You got to 
meet more people because people really do want to help. And you know what's so funny? The second job I got is actually through my supervisor, who was my intern supervisor. So she really knew like my work ethic. So she could vouch for me. And she like kind of got me to her agency. So it's all the jobs that I've had, all the agency jobs that I have has really been people are like, Tina, we're hiring. Do you do you want to apply? It's never like through submit your application kind of thing. So a lot of advertising is like it is kind of who you know and being exposed to that is through your network. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you have any any tips or anything for people who are going to networking events and they're getting to meet others and maybe they want to, they, they, they met someone who's really important, like at an agency or something. Uh, how do they make themselves stand out, right? Because you go to a networking event, sometimes you're meeting like 20 people, 30 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you make sure that you stand out for that person that, you know, maybe their agency is hiring, so you kind of want to get close to them? I mean, it's just interesting nowadays. Like, pre-COVID, you know, we go to happy hours, yeah. we shake hands, you know, we still used do. we used to do that, or I guess Guido oh. still does. Do, do we, is yeah. the elbow bump the still elbow, like the thing? Yeah, yeah, like I don't the, know, uh, like the elbow yeah, thing. The elbows. You go in for a hug yeah. and people are like, I don't know about you. So <laughs> well, I don't hug anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you would shake hands, exchange business cards, but even business cards are now kind of like antiquated at that point. Yeah. People just, you know, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, LinkedIn, let's just connect, thing, you know, yeah. let's just connect via LinkedIn. And it's actually, it's, LinkedIn is actually kind of a cool tool because you, it's like a resume. Pretty much it's like who, who's yeah, who, who on LinkedIn, person, right? Yeah. So that was the previous approach of going to happy hours, rubbing whatever, sh- like in terms of like getting to know folks that are hiring. The The one thing that I've seen now that I'm in a position to hire, it's also interesting being on the other side of the table, but for for like getting to know higher ups, how to, how to stand out, be yourself, be in ways like be your authentic self because people can see through lies very clearly because, you know, if you're vetting through so many candidates, you can just tell, especially if you interview a lot of people. I've Now I've inter- I'm interviewing people for teams and it's, mm-hmm. I can tell, like you can also tell like who are the ones that you can work with and then also share a beer with after, after work, right? Like you... Whoever you're hiring should also be your friend in a way where you can hang out with them. Because sometimes you're at work for really long hours. Yeah, that's a good point. In in agencies, right? So you got to be real. You can't just don't none of that fake stuff because nobody has time for that. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> um, so that is you know that was pre pre COVID. I feel like you know that that's easier whenever you're face to face in person having an authentic conversation. Now in the like in the virtual world or hybrid world that we're shifting towards virtually, I think like for last year, even for me, part of it, whenever I moved to move back to Houston right before COVID, by the way, great time. That's a great time to great. move to Houston. <laughs> yeah, Anytime is a good time to move to Houston, though, <laughs> especially <laughs> from Schmalis. To be fair, but like also um, I moved right before and part of part of the good portion of that year, I was unemployed. So I was yeah. really well, I was also working on Add to National stuff, too, so that sure. kind of kept me busy. But I was unemployed, but I really, you know, I was meeting a lot of folks one-to-one over just virtual coffee chat. People were very willing to open up, you know, their schedules, you know, with technology. It's like put up a, what, what is was it, the calend- Calendly, like yeah, whatever Calendly. link, and you just 
sync up with someone and you get to have a conversation with folks all around the country, not even just limiting to the way of like locally, like you have to meet up at a coffee shop. You just literally just be on the Zoom link or something and just have a chat, have informational um, questions or whatever to ask. And people have been really like nice enough to open up their calendars because, you know, we all we all went through something last year, whether it be physical, mental, whatever, because last year was rough on everyone. Um, With that, having a conversation, you still also have to continue. um, The power of follow-ups, I think, is very important when it comes to networking. Like, you want to stand out from the crowd, but then also have the, um, what's it called? Like, being able to follow through and, like, just follow up with folks is very important. And just because, like, you know, we're all busy. Mm-hmm. We all get a bunch of emails in our inboxes. Yeah. But, you know, kindly follow up. Obviously, don't be rude about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, just a polite nudge. There's a lot of things that people are going on. Another tip that I have have been given to me is when I was in college, one of my college mentors had mentioned, like, if there's, like, an interesting article um, or maybe, like, a client of the agency that you're potentially wanting to get into send that to your contact and be like hey i'm kind of like i saw this cool thing that you guys are doing so that people know that you're keeping up with the trades Mm -hmm. and that this this smart girl or guy is like reading up on what our industry is doing because on the flip side when you're at the seat of hiring people you want to hire smart people you want to hire people that are smarter than you because you're one human you can't possibly know everything Mm -hmm. so whenever i hire a team I do want to hire smart folks smarter than me so that it we're a team, you know, like uh, it might be my weakness, but it might be your strength. And we play towards that. So if you're very smart, you would like for me, I have Google alerts of like oh, potential yeah. clients um, of agencies that I'm trying to work with or whatever. And be like, if you know a contact, send that and say like, hey, cool thing that you guys did that I saw um, that will, you know, that kind of sticks out. Because people are like, oh, this person is keeping up with our company. They definitely know what we're what we're doing. So, so we've been talking about networking for a bit, and we t- we kind of touched on personal networking. And one of the greatest benefits of working at, at a company is having that ready-made network of colleagues. So you don't have to go out to a network event. You already have those connections at work. But as a freelancer, you have to grow your own professional network. You have to build your own personal brand in order to gain new clients or, you know, even retain existing clients. So now that you're working as a freelancer, you know, building your network is an essential part of success, especially a piece of freelancing. So what are some of the best practices you have found to build that network and find new projects? So I fell into freelancing whenever I was at agencies. And and this was, again, pre-COVID. COVID really shifted a lot of mm-hmm. our mindset, to be honest. Um yeah. For me, like whenever I had my full time job and an agency, I was like, "Ooh, freelancing sounds really scary because, you know, it's like project based, yeah. contract based. If if you're of the faint hearted and like you need stability, maybe freelancing and contracting isn't for you. Mm. But um, for me, it it really was. OK, I was unemployed, fun employed for a little bit during COVID. <laughs> you Did know? you say fun employed? I said fun employed because I still had stuff going for me, but then it's like, okay, well, I also still need to pay the bills. So, you know, um, for for me, it was like freelancing. Somebody reached out to me. I was like, hey, and this was somebody that I worked with in Dallas. She's now in Austin, but it was more of like she knew I was looking at contract gigs and it was through 
I met her. I forget how did I meet her, but oh, it was because I I had a friend of a friend. So it's always one of those stories. Yeah. It's like secondary connection or something. And she was like, okay, we were looking for a freelance contractor. Like, would you like to, you know, interview? And I was like, okay, I'm open to it. I'm not really doing anything. I'll I'll see what I can do. And word of mouth is like my strongest lead generation right now <laughs> is pe- folks just recommend you. They see that you get your stuff done on time, reliable. People just continue to throw your name into the ring if there's an agency that's like looking for a freelancer and they're like, oh, Tina can do it. She does a really good job. I mean, she's on time. She deadlines are a thing for her. Like she just meets everything and she's really fun to work with. So really, that's how I've been getting leads. Personal branding is something that is also very important. And not only like when you say personal branding, it's not just like your website or like your LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like way more than that. It's like how you make people feel whenever you walk into a room, that's also part of your personal brand. It's like personal branding is it's not like you can just cross it off your list and say, I'm done with it. Your all your personal brand is always evolving. My personal brand from five years ago to now has drastically changed from my timid first year, whatever, like in my agency gig. And now I'm like, OK, I can walk into a room and I ha- I don't know anybody, I, but I will have that courage to strike up a conversation with anyone. So that's that's part of doing the freelancing thing is you just yep. you just got to, you know, break out of your mold and and it takes practice. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie and say, like, I could just get it right off the bat. It took years to get to this. So we just talked about the transition that you made towards freelancing. Right. So was there, you know, what prompted you to make the transition to focus on the freelancing side and then also what going to add to national uh, was it just a time thing? Was it more of a, uh, you know, I want to try this out? Or, you know, what what led you to that decision? A few things. Um, first, it was the flexibility. Yeah. Flexibility, the time factor is nice. Like, being able to get stuff done on my own mm-hmm. terms, the autonomy. To be honest, I mean, I've held a few full-time gigs. Now that I've jumped over... I don't know, man. I don't oh. know if I could go back. Are you staying? I don't know yet. I don't like, you know, well, like the thing is with COVID, it's like the flexibility is nice. The remote work piece that, you know, mm-hmm. that was not a thing before COVID. Like people were like, you have to go into the office. You have to show up on time. But now with remote work, it really has changed how the workforce is being shaped into the future. For me, I think for like freelancing made sense at the time. I do like what I'm doing now. I'm able to focus on ad two as well on the side on my terms so that I can do a really, really impactful job this year as chair. And that's really important to me to to the degree that I can have freelancing and projects on the side. I get to focus on ad two um, as an opportunity for myself and for the industry. And then sec- secondly, I think, you know, you're saying like, what made you want to do the jump? I did want to test it out. As an entrepreneur, you mentioned at the top of the hour, what Shark Tank something. I do watch Shark Tank religiously. That was one of my goals. I do want to have my own business one day, whether it be an advertising agency or not. Not sure yet, but um, trying to build something that's my own and having the guts to do it. That's where my head is at. And freelancing is just the start of it. So we're going to change topics a bit to uh, 
briefly touch on mentorship. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of mentors in all of our lives, you know, pushing us, advising us, motivating us, and inspiring us for more to be our definition of success. Mm -hmm. Tina, was there something or someone who helped mentor you or helped you navigate an unfamiliar space? If so, can you tell us a bit about that person or that thing who helped you and how did you find them or it? I am trying to think back right now, and there's the there's just the awkward pause where I'm like, I'm trying to think who, if there was anybody in the advertising industry specifically, or just in life in general. And I think really, at the end of the day, my greatest mentor and my greatest cheerleader is my mom. And of course, she's not in advertising or anything. But the way she like handles situations in the household, leading, you know, like, challenging me in ways and her support to be honest guys like i i went to school um so i don't know if you guys know but i went to a really small liberal arts school in high school after high school in la for a little bit for like a year and a half and I was. I wanted to be a screenwriter. <laughs> I wanted to randomly be you like. Wanted a, to still. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I could still do it. Who knows yeah. that that might be the business. Yeah, you don't know. it's like, true. It's I true. I wanted to write a. If everyone uh, wanted, I wanted a movie? to write a sitcom. <laughs> oh, sitcom. Yeah. I okay. There you go. Partnerships yeah. in the making. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Look forward to it. Twenty twenty five. You know, like I moved out there, and from my family, one of the struggles as a first generation kid is that like. They didn't want me to move that far, uh, right? Oh yeah, uh, they they uh, want you to stay they home. Want you to stay home. <laughs> and there, you know, it's just comfort, comfort yeah, because you've it. been with them yeah. for eighteen years. What do you mean you want to leave the state? Yeah. And like you know, so like somehow I was able to give, convince my mom because she saw potential in me, and she was like, "You can't let this girl stay here. Like if she wants to go, she has to go. We'll support her." If she ever decides to come back, obviously we'll welcome you in open arms. And, you know, well, that's not my family. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, and I went out there. I did my own thing. Kind of figured out. Mm, Texas is better. Not Heck yeah. can't can't afford this right now. I'm on a college budget. So I did. I did transfer back to Texas. But besides that, like for the way that she handles things, I hope that I can be just like her. Um, whether it be in in work. Or in life, um, she really is my role model. Um, specifically, I mean, I call her all the time, freaking out, freaking out about things, oh, yeah. and and she's like the one that's like, Tina, this is not the worst. Like, <laughs> you need to calm down. Like, it's not the worst. Like, she's able to, yeah, she's able to do. She's she just handles a lot, and and I think you know, as a mentor, it doesn't specifically have to be in advertising. Just like situationally, she has taught me a lot of things on either how to manage people how to lead a team, um, things like that. So she's my biggest cheerleader. I don't know what I would do without her. She's listening right now. <laughs> we have a surprise behind this door. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's really nice. And it really, the, the whole no wanting to leave thing, I get that. Yeah, my parent, my dad didn't want me to leave the state, but I left and I swear the day after I left the house, after I moved here, he had already redone my entire <laughs> Room. I threw everything out, and I was we like, know. "You know what? That? Yeah, <laughs> it's fair." All right, so I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit okay. uh, before we go. I want to talk a little bit about this uh, rebranding efforts that are going on with Ad Two. Sure. I famously have very strong opinions about it. You have strong opinions about everything. 
That's uh, also very true. Um, <laughs> so we're going through this already, right? Mm-hmm. I would like you to just quickly speak a little bit to the decisions that were made towards this initiative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how were things uh, approved? Uh, what were you guys hoping to do with it? Uh, and, you know, what was uh, AAF, uh, the American Advertising Federation, wanting to do for you? Mm-hmm. So this, the rebrand, at least the AAF, piece of it has been has been something that they've mentioned a few years probably like two years ago or so and for the add to rebrand specifically i think that the rebrand really helps in terms of opening bigger and better opportunities knowing that there is the brand identity of the american advertising federation i know that previously and even for me whenever i went to the happy hour for add to I wasn't specific, like I I knew what I was getting into because it was the young professionals. Everybody knows that from this perspective. But when you, and I talked about this earlier, like knowing what's on the other side of the table and at the other side of the table is AAF and making sure that they have a clear understanding of what Ad2 stands for. That is what the rebrand is supposed to do in terms of like for folks that don't know who Ad2 is, having that brand consistency, people already recognize who we are. And on top of that, if we do cool stuff, because I can't curse on this, <laughs> I can't curse on this cool podcast, <laughs> cool stuff, then like it really amps up like the potential. We can make this as big as we want. The I- like ideas are like high up in the sky. We can figure out what we, what we want to do with that power, like not with the American Advertising Federation backed behind us. Um, we don't want to think small. You know, I think... Previously, we also, as a team, we considered what would it look like on the flip side. If you guys know anything about me also, I think of things in multiple perspectives, in ways where maybe I should have been a lawyer. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you could... Advertising law is a thing. Merging that. Media law is a thing. But understanding what's on the other side of the table and it with the like rebrand if people just recognize who we are we don't even have to answer that question anymore we already have that clout or whatever you want to call it when you walk into the room and then we can not focus on that we can focus on bigger and better opportunities for the future and that's kind of where our heads were at when it came to the rebrand and why we did what we did so i got to say the decisions we ran at to national and other local chapters was the right decision especially to help us better align and position ourselves with both national and affiliate organizations. So can you tell us why this rebranding is so important for clubs, both at the national and local levels? Yeah, I think there's been such involvement when it comes to the AAF and add to relationship over the years. And, and I've been on the exact team. This is my, I mentioned fourth year. So I've only, you know, gotten a slice of what has been done previously, what how it's going to charge forward into the future. We've also had a uh, new leadership for AAF as well. Uh, Steve Pacheco, CEO of AAF, CEO and president of AAF, mm-hmm. and then Don Reeves, who's the executive vice president of members, member services. We are, for Add2 National, we are in lockstep with them at this point, where I have constant communication with them and also uh, with Larry Brantley, Who's oh, also a friend of the club? Uh, of the club. Oh, yes, yeah. he Love was. He was in. Guy. Great guy. He's oh, in. 
Did he ever live in Houston? I know he yes, like yeah. lived in Houston. Yeah, so he's, he's still at the, uh, the company of right. Ninth Wonder. So there's like a Houston company. Yeah, a few a few name changes, few but yeah. in the Houston market, like we go way back. I met him in Dallas, Houston, like District Ten, all all around. And now, miraculously, he is the chair of AF Council of Governors. Mm-hmm. When I'm also the chair of Add Two National, so with this big Texas energy that we bring, is what I say, <laughs> yeah. um, we're able to, you know, change and evolve and also adapt how it's what what we want for young professionals into mm-hmm. the future. And with the right people in the right room, big things can happen. All right. So, um, are there any sneak peeks or anything coming in 2022 uh, from Add Two that you can share with us today? Under NDA. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about some potential <laughs> earth shattering decisions. We talked about some potential potential earth shattering decisions uh, yesterday uh, or Friday, but uh, anything that you can actually talk <laughs> about here. I now. guess it was like very quickly. Quite, yeah. Uh, quite, quite, so, quite yeah. quick. I mean, you know. You know how Houston rolls. You know how Add Two rolls. We yeah, we, yeah. we don't care about anybody's I, time. We just call them on a weekend. <laughs> no. um, well, there are a, a few partnerships in the pipeline that I'm working on um, on the national level, cool. and I think um, for I don't I want I don't want to spill the beans just sure, quite yet. Sure, sure, that's that's fair. But it is um, it, it will be forthcoming in a few months. I think. Oh. For what? it has to do something with D E and I, E D and I, sure, whichever yeah. that you prefer for the acronym, <laughs> but with di- diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, that is. I, I mean, I failed to mention this previously, but that is one of the reasons why you know I did the whole add to national thing is to make sure there's enough diversity, equity, inclusion. <clears throat> there's never enough, but we got to start somewhere, and this is yeah. where it starts. Um, and we. We do have something in the pipeline for that with an another organization that's pretty. Um, they've been making waves, is oh, what I'm saying. That's so. exciting. I'll tease that. I sorry. I like it. Yeah, it's enough. It's, maybe, it's a little yeah. bit. It's, it's a little, little bit. bit. It's a little bit. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it's gonna be the Avengers Endgame of our twos. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's how great it's gonna be. All right. I think that's all the questions we have today. Uh, Tina, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been quite a lot of fun. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug? You know, yourself, your, how to connect with you? Oh, anything? okay. Um, you can follow me on social. Sure. Um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram as well. Handles. Handle. Tina S. Sang. That's, that, that's it. Tina okay. S. Sang. So yeah. follow uh, me cool. on all the social. Follow at you national as well. Oh, yeah. To, to keep Absolutely. up with all the cool stuff that we do because I can't curse on this. <laughs> cool stuff, guys. Cool stuff. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals, age 32 and under, who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an Amigo, join us at at the number 2 houstoncom you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at add the number two Houston. Thank you for listening.